Amen. Amen. Well, you look good. You look good. Who said thanks, Josh? Real loud, Rich. And look, I didn't even say anything about your first, your room there, the first door to the left. But no, it's on now, Rich. You look good. That's right. You can say back to me, thank you. It's to respond, not because I need you to respond, because you need to know I'm talking to you too. You look good. You look good. The glory of God shines from your face. How could you not look good? If in the old covenant Moses could come down from having an experience with God and his face would shine with the glory of God, how could we who are a part of the new covenant and know, Dave, what's up? How are you doing? And a part of the new covenant not shine with the same glory. How are you, sir? Good to see you again. That's my friend there. We won't tell him how long we've been friends. You won't tell him. But you got more gray in your hair than I do. That's all I'm going to say. Huh, he just snuck in over there. I didn't see him either. And my little babies, where are the babies? They go back to the back. Oh, there they are. I'm going to say hey for a minute. Hello, cutie. You just have to indulge me for a minute. You be quiet. You're, you're in time out. Hey. Sorry. Hey. Oh, I love these babies. Hey, sweetheart. What did you say? I said, hey, sweetheart. And you said, hey, back to me. How are you, sir? Hey, Greta. Amen. I like these people. I like all y'all. If I didn't come to you, that's fine. I see y'all all the time. So today I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Hey, Miss Tammy. Uh, when I say a few minutes, that means absolutely nothing. So don't read into it. I don't even know what it means. So there's no way you can know what it means. But the, I was before the Lord this week. And uh, more and more, the older that I get. When I was young in ministry, you know, and I'll t- tell you a funny story about me. The first time that I remember having to preach was when I was in India as a 20-year-old, had barely uh, turned 20, did not go to preach. I went to video and take photography and do singing. And the guy that I went with got sick, Bishop Charles Johnson, got sick and said I had to preach. I said, nah, man, that's not my deal. And he said, no, I didn't ask you, essentially. And I preached to probably, I don't know, a few thousand young kids. And I think I preached something like how to build a strong youth group (laughs) or something stupid like that that bore no significance to a bunch of kids that are starving to death in India. Um, because it was something I was supposed to do, and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to outline. I didn't know how to study. It's not something I ever wanted to do. And I learned uh, through these last 20, almost four years in ministry now that I've been preaching that uh, I don't study to preach a message to you anymore. I study to get closer to him, and because I care about the word, and what he teaches me is what I try my best to share with you on Sunday mornings. And I hope and pray that it bears some relevance to the day that we live in. And In fact, if it doesn't, then I shouldn't be preaching. I was invited this past week, in fact, yesterday to go and, and speak to Catholic Mass on one Saturday next month. So I'll be doing that. So the Holy Spirit is just going to take us wherever he wants to go. And I said, are you sure about this? He said, absolutely. We want you to come. And I said, okay, well, let's do that. Let's do that thing. So uh, it should be, should be very interesting. Uh, I might need to borrow a black robe. Where's John Michael? Uh, But today what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is this. Uh, In this season, um, specifically mentioning the pandemic. Now, I want to say some things. I'm going to set some 
Boundaries first. I want you to hear me say this because I don't, sometimes I say things and maybe I don't qualify it enough. I understand that COVID-19 is a real thing. In fact, I had it. My mother had it. And I know several people who have had health complications because of it. I know people who have died with it. Uh, at least I know of people. I don't know the people specifically. So I, anything that I say, I'm not downplaying. But to me, the pandemic that has hit us is not as much about COVID as it's about the fear that has been pushed by those in places of power. A pandemic comes from the Greek word pandemos, which means of all the people. Uh, and that word itself comes from pan, which means all or everybody, and demos, which means people. And as bad as this virus is, I read this morning, no, let's see, yeah, I read this morning again because I wanted to update my numbers, but they have not updated. Um, but as of last night, the recovery rate is still 99%. As of last night in the United States alone, there have been almost 24,999,000 cases, positive cases, with 24,423, uh, I'm sorry, 24,999,000 cases, and 24,423,000 of those are fully recovered. Thank God, that's a good thing. That's 98%. That's a good thing. Not discounting the other 2%. It's a wonderful thing. But let's talk facts, and these are facts coming from the CDC, from our own, from our own public sources. 98%, some have admittedly been misdiagnosed. The, last year, I, I'm trying to remember, it was something like uh, 64 million, I want to say, is it 64 million flu cases were diagnosed last year. This year, there have been like 1,400. Right. They're mixed. Right, right. We know that, and we understand that in a lot of the ways, the symptoms are the same. What's my point? My point is not downplaying COVID. My point is to say this. The pandemic that has been pushed on each one of us, of the people, is fear. You know, the two most, you know, the, the two most um, uh, powerful motivators in the history of the human race, are the first is love, and the second is fear. You can, in fact, the, even the, even the, uh, the Old Testament, um, I believe it was the psalmist that wrote that love is strong as death. Love is a motivator, but we don't like to use love because love unites. And when there's a united people uh, and love flows, then it's, there's health that flows from love and there's joy that flows from love and there's peace that flows from love. That's why the Bible would say about God, of all the things that God can be described as, the one thing that he absolutely is, God is love. In First John, God is love. In, first, uh, in, in fact, we understand that anyone that loves God is born of God and knows God. You know, the first, first John 4, 7, 8. But the problem with it is we, we have people that are in power. And I'm not talking about people on the left or people on the right. I'm, I'm talking about even above all that. That's just, a, to me, a mirage. That's not even the reality. The reality is we have people that like power, that like authority, and they push, us, they push fear upon the masses. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you may or may not be on, or if you're an independent, or if you're not registered or whatever i'm not talking about that i'm talking about this thing called fear i've never seen the nation ravaged in fear the way that i have in 2020 never i don't think any of us have i don't think any of us can say by and large we've seen not even the, the nation but the nations ravaged with fear and it's been pushed by those who have power. And should, am I saying to downplay COVID? No, what I'm saying is you've got a 99% recovery rate. Why is everyone morbidly afraid of this thing? And to me, it, it speaks of the real pandemic, which is fear. Let me get back to my point because I've got something I really want to say. And I think that it might bear, uh, it, it might bear witness in your heart and give you some hope uh, for going. So 98%. The real pandemic has been fear that has spread across the world as a result of media brain, poison, uh, brain poisoning. Not brainwashing, but brain poisoning people. 
The two greatest motivators of the human heart are fear and love. We've seen both of those on full display for more than a year now, but more fear than love. As with every generation, widespread fear brings with it the cry of people for answers. The, 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 the uniform cry, and it doesn't matter what your political persuasion is, the uniform cry among most people, when I say most people, I'm talking about the majority of humans who just love people and just want to live the next day and like to go out and, and have, do their thing and mind their own business and have other people mind their business and be able to live and love and be happy. You know, mo- that's the people that I'm talking about. And by and large, people like that are saying, what is going on? We'd like to have some answers. And specifically those in the church are saying, okay, God, Why? I mean, am I the only person in the history of the human race that's ever asked God that question? It's probably the most asked question to God of all time. Because we have the, ne- the, the, the we're on a need-to-know basis. We don't just want to know what. We want to know why. Why is this happening? What's the answer for it? God, give me a word. How many, how many people by your hand has ever said, God, give me a word? Yes. Have you said it? God, well, yeah. We want a word from God. Simply want to know why. Why has this happened? Why me? Why us? Why now? And for those who have lost loved ones, the questions gnaw at their psyche relentlessly. My best friend of 20, gosh, no, oh my God, 31 years now, lost his father last year. I helped carry his body out of the house. He called me crying and said, he's gone, man. The only thing that he said. So I went over to, lived on Hickory Highway. I went over to his house. He was my old soccer coach, Mike Heinz. And I helped him. Myself and Brian Burgess carried Mike out of, the, out of his bedroom on sheets. And he sat there and wept and had the funeral, but no one was able to go to the funeral. This is a man that's touched so many kids in coaching and over here at Heinz Brothers and just a good person in the community. He was a deacon over at Beulah for years and years and years and years. And he was able to have about 20 people come to his funeral. How many funerals? I think I did two more just last year. Funerals. I did three. No, I did three funerals last year. And at, at, at no funeral was there more than probably 30 people. And they would have been celebrated. Their life should have been celebrated by hundreds. But they were not allowed to do that. Not allowed to. People want answers. People are wanting to know why. People want to know why. Am I alone in this? I could preach about seven ways to a free stay in a condo. In Atlantic City, if you'd like. You don't? Okay, good. Unfortunately for many who have been wanting to hear God's voice and looking for an opportunity for answers, we have missed or possibly misinterpreted his voice and his presence because he did not come in a manner in which we were accustomed. Now, this happened even in the New Testament. There's biblical, uh, there, there's, there's bif- biblical precedent for this when the disciples were out on the boat. Remember when they were being tossed to and fro? You've heard me preach about the winds were contrary. And they're in their boat and it's night. And Jesus had said, go ahead and go on to the other side. If you were here when Jeremy preached, he had a canoe brought in. And he was talking about the, the waves tossing to and fro. And the Bible says, and Jesus came to them walking on the water, but they didn't know him. And the reason that they didn't know him is because they didn't perceive who he was. They did not recognize him because he was in a form other than the form that they expected him to come in. Many times we ask God for something or we pray for something. And when it doesn't happen the way we thought it would happen, we assume God didn't answer our prayer. When, when all reality is there are so many things that God answers, but because he didn't answer the way we thought he answered, then, then, then we, we, we really project upon God our own feelings of, 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 of hopelessness and worthlessness. And God's not hopeless. And he's not worthless. And he hears every prayer. In fact, the Bible says God hears every even idle word, every thought 
that you have. He knows the intimate desires of your heart better than you do. But when he doesn't come to us in a form that we understand, then we begin to question even more. How many people, how many people do you know that are even questioning their own relationship with God? Like, does he even talk to me? Did he really ever even say that? Was any of this ever real? It's okay. The, the thing about God is he is so secure in his, uh, in, in his person and in who he is that he has no problem with, have, with you asking the question, are, are, are you real? That doesn't hurt God's feelings, and he doesn't get offended, and he doesn't get angry. In fact, to me, I think it's a sign of growth when we ask those things, as long as we're willing to sit and wait for his answer. Right now, in the middle of this pandemic, is such a great opportunity for us to hear his voice. But we miss it many times because he doesn't come in the way that we had expected. And it's not a new phenomenon. In fact, many of the great men and women of scriptures faced the exact same dilemma. I want to read from 1 Kings 19. For those of you that don't know what 1 Kings 19 is about, I'm going to say uh, that God came to Elijah. How did God come to Elijah? Does anybody remember? There was an earthquake and there was a wind and there was a fire. But how did God come? That's what most people think. We're going to find out if, that's, if that is indeed how God came to Elijah. And maybe, maybe discover an answer to where we are because I believe it bears significance and parallel uh, where Elijah went through and what we're going through today. Especially as the people called of God. So, 1 Kings 19. But first, I want to talk to you just briefly to set context about chapter 18. Chapter 18 is where Elijah challenges the prophets of, of, of Baal. Remember that? Y'all call him Baal. Whatever. Baal really is his name. Baal. The Old Testament form, essentially, of the enemy of God, Satan. Of this, this secular God that, that children were sacrificed to and all this nastiness. It, it, and, and Elijah challenges those prophets. The contest was to observe whose God would answer a call. The followers of Baal went first. Fire fell from the Lord. They chanted from the morning till noon, but their God never answered, so they began to cut themselves and each other with knives because that's what false prophets do. I'm going to throw some goodies out there in the midst of this. The Bible calls them the prophets of Baal, and they begin to call on their God and expect him to answer. And when he didn't answer, Elijah, which, who I think is hilarious, literally said to them, what's the matter with him? Is he constipated and on the toilet? Go read your, he literally, he's, he's taunting them. Is your God, is he constipated? Is he on the toilet? He can't get up, he can't answer. And when their God didn't answer, they begin to cut each other. You can always tell those that are not operating under a New Testament, New Covenant understanding of prophecy. Because when what they say doesn't happen, they look for someone else to cut. They take their tongue and they thrash somebody else. And a whole lot of that mess has been going on with the, with the people that thought that they heard from God and probably did and maybe did. Maybe they didn't interpret it well. But they thought God said this and this is going to happen. I watched a guy making fun of Ken Copeland last night because, you know, he said, I blow the wind of God on you and all this COVID stuff. I'm like, well, how do you know God didn't tell him that? Who are you to sit in judgment? I mean, Kenneth Copeland has touched millions of people. Whether he's always right or always wrong, I don't know. But I know he's touched millions of people with the gospel. What have you done? You're a Facebook warrior. Nobody will know your name after your own generation. Just lashing and lashing and lashing and lashing. Because God didn't come in the form that they thought he would. That's what fake false prophets do. They, they, they begin to cut each other. And Elijah simply looked on and mocked them. Finally, he set before the Lord his sacrifice. He prayed to the Lord to show the people he's God. He prayed uh, to show the people that Elijah was the Lord's servant. Fire fell from the Lord. The fire licked up the burnt sacrifice and the water that was around it. And the people were convinced and confessed that the Lord is God. Now, this is chapter 18. Elijah had all the false prophets of Baal captured and killed. 
So here is this one prophet, the prophet of God, Jehovah, the prophet of Adonai, the prophet of God, versus these hundreds of prophets of Baal, and their God doesn't answer, and they're destroyed. You would think that would make Elijah puff his chest out, but you know what happens? Let's read it in chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel what Elijah had done. And how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Now, to be very sure, there was a physical person, Jezebel, and there is indeed a spiritual Jezebel, and they're both of the same spirit, and she's still active today. In fact, my opinion, my persuasion, and, and this is over many years of, 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 of study and many years of belief and many years of contemplation, is the spirit of Jezebel is the spirit that's behind most mass media, and that's the one that's pushing the fear. But I'll leave it at that. Because I ain't wanting to gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. <laughs> then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What she said was, because you killed my prophets, I'm going to let the gods do worse to me if I don't have you dead by tomorrow. Now this guy, who with the word of the Lord just, just has, has slain and the fire from God comes down from heaven and, and burns, consumes his offering. And now this Jezebel makes a threat. And what happens to Elijah? He runs like a coward. Amazing, amazing, amazing how this man who, I mean, this, was, this is the Elijah who represented the prophets. If you, if you talk about the law and the prophets in the old covenant, you look to the new covenant on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was, who appears? Moses and Elijah, a type of the law and the prophets, or the Spirit and the Word. But they were going to be consumed in one, Jesus. There would never be a separation again of the law and the prophets, but the fulfillment would be in Jesus. This same Elijah is the one that Jezebel makes a threat over, and he runs like a coward. Let's read it. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 3. And he was afraid, and he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I can tell you I'm not in any way classifying myself with Elijah, but I know, what it, I know what it feels like when you try to do the work of the Lord and you try to push and you try to help and you try to encourage and you try to deliver prophetic words and most people don't understand half of what you're saying and when they do, they attack you anyways. And you just want to say, God, I'm done with this. That's essentially where Elijah was. Just take my life. I'm no better than my father's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dead because of this Jezebel. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. I like, that's my kind of guy. That's my guy. In fact, this afternoon, I plan on laying down, and hopefully to God, there'll be an angel that will bring me some food. <laughs> the Holy Ghost jerk on me, you know, the old Pentecostal jerk. Be an angel, bring me some food, and I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to eat and drink, and then I'm going to lay back down again. I like Elijah. And the angel of the Lord came and touched him a second time and said, Arise and eat, or else the journey will be too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went, into the, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, which is also Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave. Now listen, I'm going to get to my scripture. And lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and they've slain your prophets with a sword. And I, even only I, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And God said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, now listen to me, a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Love this. And after the, you know this part, but I'm going to tell you something you probably don't know. And after the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that fire, a still small voice. Say with me, still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, which is what he was supposed to do in the beginning. And there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The same thing that he asked him back in verse 9. And Elijah said exactly the same thing he said in verse 10. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, slain your prophets with a sword. And I, even only I, am left. And the Lord said to him, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you will anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of uh, Nimshi, you shall appoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of... Uh, you, you shall not be prophet in your place. And him who escapes the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now, verse 18, my key text. Verse 18, my key text. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came... A still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the cave. To be clear, the scripture never even says that God was in the still small voice. That's what we assume. We think that it's implied because when the fire came, explicitly the Bible says, but God was not in the fire. And when the wind came, explicitly the Bible says, God was not in the wind. And when the earthquake came, earthquake came specifically the bible says god was not in the earthquake and the bible says and then a still small voice came it doesn't say that god was but it doesn't say that he wasn't it. it just says that it came and so what most of us assume is that's the still small voice of god speaking inside i'm going to tell you what the still small voice is the still small voice in the original language is called damamadaka sounds like some weird rap song or something. Called to Mamadaka. And it means the sound of crushing silence. I want you to sit with that for a minute. The sound of crushing silence. Here's Elijah who's just come off this crazy victory. Paint the picture. Jezebel threatens him. He runs from Jezebel. He's awakened by an angel. The Lord says, what in the world are you doing here? And Elijah says, I need you to answer me, Lord. I'm ready to be done with this situation. You're going to have to deal with this. It's too great for me. I've stood and I've been faithful and I've done all that I can do. And I've done all that I can do to stand. So I'm standing. I don't know what else. And the Lord says, what are you doing here? 
And so here comes a fire, and surely Elijah thought, that's going to be God. He's going to answer me by fire. He's going to take the same fire today that happened a few weeks ago that killed all the false prophets, and he's going to deliver me. But God didn't deliver him the way that he thought he would deliver. And then there came a mighty wind. You know, we read in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, and there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house. And many of us in 2021 are waiting for this new crazy wind of God to come. But God wasn't in the wind. And then an earthquake came that rent the rocks. I mean, the rocks in the mountain begin to shake and quake and fall to the side. And surely Elijah thought, now he's going to answer. This mighty God, this, this, this deliverer, this great warrior, he's gonna, and he didn't come. And then here's what happened. As Elijah stood there, and God didn't answer the prayer that he thought he would. And God didn't show up the way that he thought he would. And God wasn't putting a flaming torch in his hand to deliver his people. Then Elijah stands there and he doesn't hear a thing. Except the sound of crushing silence. The sound of crushing silence. And I would dare say that if you've lived in the kingdom long enough. And you've asked God or you've beseeched God or you've, you've looked for an answer. That probably at some point in your life you've had to walk through a time. Of soul crushing silence. But God I knew you were going to answer me. And I knew you were going to put my life back together. And God didn't. I knew you were going to bring my wife back home. And my husband back home. And that didn't happen. I knew that you were going to allow me to keep my job. And make more money. And that doesn't happen. And time and time again in our lives. We expect God to come and manifest in a certain way. And when it doesn't happen. We walk through a period of soul crushing Silence. You have to wonder if Elijah, because the Bible says when that happened, he wrapped his face in his mantle. You have to wonder if he put his face in and said, I mean, you get, surely you got, your mind has to go back to all the times that he did answer. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an optimist. You know, I, my father taught me years ago, when you preach, don't you ever leave people in the negative. Always bring it to the positive. Always tell them the good. But what good is there when God didn't come the way you thought, and you didn't get the prayer answered, and the prophecy didn't come to pass, and you're begging him for an answer, and all you hear is soul-crushing silence? Then what do you do? Abraham stands at the, I mean, Elijah stands at the edge of the cave and he wraps his face in his mantle, in his cloak. You ever found yourself there? You kidding me? Just weeks ago, I watched you answer by fire. And I think the same fire is coming, but when the fire came, you weren't in that. How many of us have come to a place where the answers don't come? We've arrived, but the answers have not. It's a rhetorical question, I know, but one that deserves contemplation at, at least. Most of us has, have hoped that God would come in a fire and burn up our enemies. I don't necessarily mean people. For some of you, you may hope that your people enemies burn up in fire. And for so, God bless you and let's pray for you. But the enemies that steal your peace... You know, the, the thing that when you lay down on your pillow at night, that you can't go to sleep because that thing is gnawing at you, that thing is an enemy. It's robbing you of your peace. 
and you've begged God and you've prayed and you've cried and you've got up here and you've thrown up your hands and you've worshipped. You may even have some oil slapped on your head and yet still the answer hasn't come. Maybe we thought God would come in an earthquake and shake some things up. I preached last year there's a whole lot of shaking going on, remember? And there is and there has been. And I told you that the shaking will remain until you become unshakable. I'll say it again, the shaking that has happened, once again, and the heavens and the earth will be shaken, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and only that which cannot be shaken will remain. In case you didn't know, I just quoted a verse from the Bible. And, when, and you will go through a period of shaking until you become unshakable. Or maybe God should come and blow like a great wind and destroy our enemies, but for Elijah, and for many times for us, he didn't come that way. And when he doesn't come in a way that we hope for or pray for, many times the silence is crushing. We know he lives. We know he's powerful. We believe that he's omniscient and omnipresent. We believe all these things. And yet, am I the only person that has asked God for specific things and it just did not happen? It did not happen the way that we thought it would happen. What we have to do is, I'm just going to give you a pause here, is... In that moment, what's better than anything is to sit in the soul-crushing silence, but not to question God's integrity, but trust his integrity. I watched a man get up in our church some, gosh, 12, 13, 14 years ago or something like that. And he, he and his wife had recently lost a child. And he said, I'll never forget it. And he said, I trust the Lord's integrity in this. It changed my life forever. I'll never forget it. To this day, when I talk about it, I get a little weepy out because I thought, my God, to experience this kind of loss and say, I trust my father's integrity. When he doesn't come the way we hope for or pray for, many times the silence is crushing. And we know that he lives and that he moves and that he can. But like Elijah, many of us have experienced his power before. But now what do we do? What do we do? In this pandemic in the fear that has swept across the country when we've begged God. How many of you have said, God, take this thing away? My Rachel used to sing, go through the house, and Corona be gonna, you don't belong. <laughs> and what was the other one? Corona won't stop my prayer. You seen the videos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet here we are in April of 2021, still dealing with the same mess. Well over a year later. Has anybody besides me asked God to be done with this mess? But now what do we do? It amazes me the Lord came to Elijah before in wind and fire and earthquake. And, or before he came, he asked him, what are you doing here? Let me get to my points. The wind, the fire and earthquake, the crushing silence, he was asked again the same question. What are you doing here? The sound of crushing silence when we don't hear him in the way we hoped, how can, how can we hear him? When God doesn't come in the fire and he doesn't come in the earthquake, he doesn't come in the wind. Romans Romans 1, 19 through 20, about 2.45 this morning, I actually woke up coughing, woke myself up coughing. I guess I, my throat was dry or whatever, pollen and all that. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not COVID positive, and I'm positive that I'm not COVID positive. And I got up and went downstairs because I didn't want to wake Elizabeth up, and uh, got downstairs, laid on the couch for a few minutes. About an hour later, I was able to go back to sleep and woke up again early, uh, an hour or so later, and what woke me up was the birds singing outside. 
beautiful. We, we just moved back in November beside our new house. We've got a creek, and it's not very big. I mean, it's probably as wide as the stage, but it only, it only flows about four or five feet wide, and it's probably only six to ten, ten inches deep uh, on a normal day and to, unless it rains. And I could, hear the, I could hear the water running across the rocks in that creek. And the Lord spoke to me and said, do you hear me? The birds are singing praises to me right now. You want, to, you want to see my resurrection? You want me to talk to you about resurrection? Wait a few minutes and watch the sun come up in the eastern sky and watch it talk about my resurrection. Romans chapter 1 actually talks about this. Romans 1, 19 and 20. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. I like it in all translations. It says this. The basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Creation reveals the voice of God. You know, what? We, one of the things that was uh, unique when we moved to the new place is, uh, you may still have DirecTV if you do. I feel sorry for you because that's a horrible company, especially since AT&T bought them. But... We don't have them anymore. Anything we want to watch, we stream. But before we started any of that streaming, because we live in Stony Point now. You may not know anything about Stony Point. Uh, but in Stony Point, you can't get internet. Specifically where we lived, I think that there was a black hole beneath the earth. And it sucked up any chance of having internet at our place. We would pay $100 a month for satellite internet, and the speed was 1.5 megabits per second. 1.5. It, you remember the old, it was, that dial-up was better. It was horrible. The point of me saying this is when we moved to the new place, we didn't really know much about streaming because we were never able to stream anything. So what we did was we sat in silence a lot. The other day, I uh, had gone into our bathroom. Our bathroom's got a big window that overlooks the back. And uh, a few weeks ago, I put up, I told you about the swing I put up in their backyard, a swing that goes over, over the top of the creek from a rope at the, that I got from the Hilton Garden Inn when we built it. And it's, it's probably 60, 50, 60 feet high. And you can take the swing, and it goes a spance of, gosh, probably 50 or 60, 70 feet. It's really, really long. You can swing on it for 45 minutes. And I looked out the window, and I saw Elizabeth and Rachel out there swinging. You know what I saw? Beauty. I saw God saying, I'm not ready for this place to be finished. You know what I didn't listen to? The people on news that are paid to make fear, to engender fear in everybody. In fact, I told you a few weeks ago, I looked out that same window and Rachel was out there with her headphones on singing, Love Me Tender. My dad would be so proud. He was an Elvis fan. She was literally loud. She, love me tender. And I'm like, where did she download this song from? On her little iPad with her headphones on singing Love Me Tender. And you know what I did? I, just like you did, I chuckled. And I thought, you know what? Things are not nearly as bad as they're trying to force us to believe that they are. In this room right now, we have at least three, um, three different races of people. And not one time until just now has probably anybody even thought about that because we're one race. We're the human race and we love each other. Last week when we played our night of worship, if you got to come, I hope you enjoyed it. It was a wonderful time. In fact, Joey, Rachel said last night, man, I didn't know Joey could sing. He's good. You should get him to sing more. Rachel and Belle, the night before last. I said, yeah, he can sing. And if you look across the stage or if you look up in our, in our uh, 
stand back there, there were people from all different backgrounds and all different political persuasions. And, and you know what? Nobody really cared about that because we were making one sound to glorify Jesus. And you know what I did? The whole time, was it you? You, you messaged me and said, oh, my God, you just glowed, Josh. Your smile was there the whole, because I loved it. There was, nothing but, there was nothing but unity. There was nothing but beauty. There was nothing but worship. There were, there were not several races of people on the stage. There was one human race worshiping God. There weren't Democrats and Republicans on the stage. There were human beings that loved each other, that sacrificed and brought their gifts and talents and said, we're going to do something special for Jesus. Did anybody else feel it? This church was full of not, not Republicans and Democrats and left and right and all the stupid stuff that they tried to use to divide us. Instead, we were united with one purpose, to come and glorify the one God whose son Jesus Jesus Christ rose from the dead. On That's what we were here for. And no one was labeled in any way other than we're children of God. Oh, my God. That's what was so beautiful about it. It was just beautiful, and it was freeing. And the truth of it is, that is reality. It's not what they're trying to paint as reality. The reality is, at least in my world, and I know there are issues that need to be dealt with. There always are, and there always will be. Heck, I grew up in a family of eight people with six kids, and we still got issues we have to deal with. But I love them. They're my brothers. They're my sisters. She's my mother. And as long as I live, they're going to be my brothers, my sisters. And I love them more than I care about possibly being right. It needs to be that way in the kingdom of God. And I think, honestly, I've looked at this long and hard. I think that really it is that way. And I think that if we would unplug from, the, from, from Jezebel long enough and sit in what might be soul-crushing silence sometime, we might begin to say, wait a minute. The birds haven't stopped singing. The sun hasn't stopped coming up. The creek hasn't stopped running. The voice of God, he speaks. And he may not come in the form that I know. But the fact that that creek, in my, as weird as it sounds, in the side of my yard still running, tells me God plans on this planet to continue for a little while longer. And you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to ball up in a cave like Elijah and be terrified of living my life. I'm going to live and I'm going to love and I'm going to love on my wife and my children and my family and my friends. I'm going to live life. That's what we're supposed to do. And I'm going to refuse to allow someone to engender within me such fear that I just remove myself from everybody. You are made. Listen, in the beginning, remember when God said this, he created all things that were. I'm going to say this point. I'm trying to finish up, hopefully before 12. Not because I want to be done before 12, but because I'm making my point. And when God created on the first day, at the end of the first day, what did he say? He looked at all the things he created and said, it is good. And then the second day, same thing happens. And all the way through day six, when he creates man, he looks at it. And then finally, the Bible says he looked at everything that he created and the man that he put in there and said, it is very good. Boom. How wonderful is that? And yet before the serpent enters the picture... And before sin enters the picture, and before, before the serpent and the curse and all the stuff enters the picture, God saw something that was not good. And God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Period. And I'm not talking about just marriage. We are meant and made for community. We need each other. And the thing that the enemy has tried his hardest this last year using whatever pawns on his chessboard that he can do is to divide us and to seclude us and to pull us apart from each other. But God even saw in Genesis, hey, that's not good. I've created them for unity. They need each other. Tammy, I need you. You know that I, that I feel that way, but I'm saying, I need you. Abby, I need you. Diane, I need you. We actually need each other. Eric, I need you. And we may or may not see each other. Kimmy, Josh, I need you. 
Ronnie, I need you. In fact, I need you for more things. I need an appraisal for you to look at for me, but <laughs> no, no, just kidding. We're made for community. We're supposed to need each other. We're supposed to fellowship. We're supposed to be together. And God created us such almost supernatural, natural human beings that we're made for that. And if we happen to trade some sickness along the way, our bodies are so unique and so like God that we're created to heal ourselves. It's the truth. It's called immune system. If you need a boost, no problem. I'm not talking about whether or not you should get jabbed or not. I don't care about that. What I care about is don't remove yourself from everybody and everything. And if you don't hear God come to you in the way that you thought he would, sit down for long enough, unplug the TV, turn the iPod and the, and the iPhone off. iPod, my God, how, what year is this? iPad and iPhone off and sit down outside and listen to the birds sing. Because they haven't stopped singing his praises. And the sun ain't stopped coming up. And the deer still come down the side of my... And this big ugly bird, but he's, but he's alive. He has purpose. He must. Because Layla can't catch him to save her life. Jasmine and Bella come over and swing on the swing. And they jump on it. And they'll get... Uh, what's our little dog's name? I can't remember. Rosie. God, what the... I don't really like her so much, so I don't call her our dog. That's Elizabeth and the girls' dogs. <laughs> Layla's my dog. You know, I got a big dog. <laughs> Rosie's this big, and she looks like a squirrel when she gets shaved. <laughs> I mean, and she's weird. If you come to my house sometimes, she'll growl at you. She's this big, and she growls. And when she comes and wants me to pick her up, she does this. <laughs> Abby, you do it really well. Where's Abby? Come up here, Abby. Oh, I got her now. I got her now. Where is she? Where is she? Abby, come up front real quick. Real quick. I need you. Real quick. Real quick. See, I, this, I earned this because my dad used to embarrass me when, when he preached. And by God, I'm going to do it to them. Come up here, Abigail. Abby does the best Rosie I've ever seen. Do it. And don't, don't hold back. I'll make you up here to do it. How's it go? Look. <laughs> she said, I'll do it in a minute. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah, the stupid little thing shows her teeth at me. Like, was this supposed to make me love you more? But even that little animal and how my daughter Rachel loves her, she holds her like a baby. It's ridiculous. Rachel will pick her up like this, and the dog just lays there. And she carries her around her house like this. Huh? Her, and she's, Isaac will sneak her upstairs and let her sleep in the bed with him. I'm like, my God, I thought I was growing men in this house, boy. Jacob can't stand her. Jake's all working out and trying to get pumped. Now he's like, I hate that. dog. what do you do with it? But you know good and well, secretly, he's snuggled up on the couch with it when nobody's there. <laughs> Jason, we need to get videos in the house because we're going to catch video of him doing this. God doesn't always come to us in the form that we understand or the way that we thought he would come. And sometimes we don't get the answer to our question why. But I can promise you, if you'll sit in the soul-crushing silence long enough, long enough, he's faithful. You'll hear his voice. And it may just be in the laughter of a child's voice. It may be in the, in the, the song of a bird or it may be in the, the rustling of the leaves when the, when the wind blows through the trees. But God ain't dead. And he hasn't abandoned us, and he hasn't, he hasn't forsaken us, and this ain't the end. Listen to me say this. I want you to hear me. This ain't the end. We ain't getting sucked out of nowhere. We're here for a reason. We're here on purpose. That whole any-minute mentality robs us of living in now. 
Do you know we don't have tomorrow promised, and yesterday is just a memory and gone. As the old people used to say, or the, the old preachers used to say, it, yesterday is in the tomb of time, and tomorrow is in the womb of time. All that we really have is now. And gee, I don't know about you. I think I do. I'm going to enjoy my now. I'm not letting somebody else make me afraid to enjoy my now. I don't care what their title is before or after their names. God put me here. You are a bearer of the image of God. How about, I mean, seriously, Randall talked last week. Of course, he speaks way more eloquently. But he talked about the breath of God. God breathed into Adam one time and ever since. He said, you want to see God look down at your chest? As you inhale and exhale. Because it's not your breath, it's his breath. Every one of you. And I don't care what you did last night or what you did last week or last month or last year. It really doesn't matter. The fact that you're here and breathing is the most powerful thing about you. Amen. And we need each other. We'll finish, let me finish reading my notes and we'll go home. William, you want to play something on the keys for me? Eli's playing baseball today. Go get him, Eli. Amen. Amen. I don't know what you said, but amen. I like the voice. I just heard God. Creation reveals his voice, it reveals him. I put on here, I was awakened by the song of the birds. They were up and praising him. The sun rising speaks of his resurrection on a daily basis. The creek beside my house runs and flows and speaks to me of times of refreshing. I've never seen the source of the creek beside my, beside my house, but I'm told it arises from natural springs beneath the earth miles away from my house. It speaks to me of refreshing and divine provision. He speaks... Even in the crushing silence, his voice can be heard. He is not finished speaking. And anyone who says he is, is lying. He speaks daily. I wonder sometimes if 2020 could not be equivalent to, in fact, I know that it could be a shaking, a major shaking. Fires, we saw those in our own country. Winds, we saw that with, the, with hurricanes and tornadoes. I mean, we've seen all the things. I heard a preacher say something one time that was very interesting to me, and I don't know that it's true, but it bears repeating, I believe. He said, maybe the fire came, and maybe the wind came, and maybe the earthquake came, so that God could blow off, burn off, and shake off everything that was in Elijah's way of hearing the still small voice. See you later. <laughs> and some. Where are you going? You want to sit down? Here. What did Jesus say one day? Hey. He was in the middle of a service. He was in the middle of teaching. And a bunch of kids came to him. And the disciples said, shut those kids up. Would you get shut? Leave the master alone. And he said, what are you talking about? Let the children come on my lap. When you see them, you've seen the kingdom. Hey. You know that I see God in your eyes. Uh-huh. If that right there does not give you hope for our tomorrow, then you're hopeless. Keep going back and forth. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. You can come up here. Come on. Hey, don't lick it. 
That's disgusting. What are you doing? Why are you licking my microphone? You little silly butt. God, you are a G's kid. Get out of here. <laughs> if you'll sit in the silence long enough, you'll hear his voice. And it may be in the chuckle of a little baby. <laughs> I love her and she never bothers me. My dad was famous for saying, if they can scream louder than I can preach, they can have the microphone. <laughs> How many times did he say that? And there were a couple of times I wanted to gag and bag a kid. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh man, I said that out loud. But it's just, oh. When I packed the car this morning, it was so full, I didn't have any room for a filter. So I didn't pack it. <laughs> nah. I love her. And her little blue eyes. I see God in that baby. I heard God in your laughter just now. I'm not reaching. Some of you think I'm reaching. I'm not reaching. I heard God in your laughter. When you smiled. When Tammy gave me the look a few minutes ago about my watch. I saw God in that. She's tried to convince me for years. Stop worrying about the time. Just preach. Just say what you need to say. So sometimes I get her back a little bit. When Madison walked in this morning, I saw Jesus. When you gave me a bump and then you shook my hand, you said, let's just do whatever. I ain't afraid anymore. I saw God in that. We don't have a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. We don't have a seeing problem. We've been convinced that we, that we have a seeing problem. God's not there. I can't see him. I can't see him. It's because you're not looking for him. But if you'll look for him, you can see him anywhere. You can see him in the chuckle of a baby's laugh. You can see him in the creek beside your house. You can hear him in the birds outside. You can see him in that beautiful sunshine that we didn't see for so many weeks. You can see him in the rain that refreshes the earth. He's in everything. All things were made by him and for him. And without him was not anything made that was made in him. Put it right there. Boom. <laughs> we don't have a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. You know what? We don't have a hearing problem. We have a listening problem. We don't listen. And the reason we don't listen is because we're tuned into the frequency of whatever they put on that, on whatever source of media you choose to watch. And it really doesn't matter whether it's the right side or the left side. It's all just a bunch of garbage. And the attention is to make you afraid because fear is a motivator. And this is a science that has been studied for thousands of years. And they know now, you know what? We can make people afraid. We can make them do anything. Even something that goes against their own logic. Fear, false evidence appearing real. We don't have a hearing problem. We have a listening problem. And we don't have a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. But what if we were to, in the crushing silence, not, not, not believe that that's God's being silent, but that's His way of causing us to come to this place of contemplation so that we can hear what He's got to say. Maybe God did have to burn off and blow off and shake off everything that Elijah had just gone through, both failures and victories. He had a victory because he just defeated several hundred prophets, and he also had a failure because he ran from one wicked queen Jezebel. And maybe God sent the fire to burn off and the earthquake to shake off and the wind to blow off all of his past failures and successes so that Elijah could stand still in the moment and know he's still God. He's not forsaken me. He's good God. You're going to make me preach now. And I don't want to do that. He's still with me. And I'm still here. And the fact that I'm breathing means I've got purpose. And just because he didn't come in the way that I thought he would come, he's going to come. He will show up. He is here. I just got to listen for him. 
He's here. I just have to look for him. Remember me talking about kingdom sightings? About six months ago, I preached a message, kingdom sightings. And I said, for the first time in this church, I said, we don't have a, a seeing problem. We have a looking problem. Why don't you begin to look? You're going to be motivated by what you listen to, and you're going to be motivated by what you look at. And if you change the channel and change the frequency and dial it into the frequency of heaven, which is not this ethereal, otherworldly place. Heaven is a dimension that is all around us. Paul makes that very clear in the New Testament. The Bible says, earth is God's throne, uh, heaven is God's throne and the earth is footstool. Heaven's not this, this far off removed place. Heaven is the kingdom of God and, 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 and he dwells here now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said no one has ascended up into heaven except the son of man who came down from heaven and is in heaven. By the way, that's the red word. Deal with it. Jesus said those words, standing on this ground and this earth. He said, no one's ascended. What's the point? The point of this heaven's a dimension. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of peace. It's a place of joy. In fact, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you can have it now. But you're going to have to change the channel on your radio. Change it. Dial into the frequency of heaven. Listen to the spirit of truth. Still small voice. The sound of crushing silence. You've heard it. But just because he didn't come the way you thought he would come, doesn't mean he didn't come. In the New Testament about Jesus in John chapter 1, it said, Jesus came unto his own. And his own didn't even receive him. Why? Because they didn't know who he was. They perceived him as the carpenter's son. They didn't know that he was the son of Yahweh. That's how I'm going to do it from now on. Not my way, Yahweh. Not even good. Not even good. Let's all stand. Lord, we have all been dragged through the mud of 2020. And yet we saw your faithfulness there. We've all been dragged through this thing of fear and questioning what's real and what's not real and who really is for us and who's really against us. At the end of the day, we can say for sure that we know, no matter what politician may or may not say or may or may not do, we know that you're for us. We know that we are image bearers. We, we bear your image. And Father, many times over 2020 and even into 2021, many of us have asked, God, are you even here with us? Do you even hear us? I pray, Lord, that in some way this word will go deep into the soil of their souls like seed. That sometime during this week, each one under the sound of my voice would slip away and find time to turn it all off. Turn everything off. And it may seem like soul-crushing silence in the beginning, but if we sit long enough and listen long enough, we're going to hear the voice of resurrection. We're going to hear the voice of peace. We're going to hear the voice because you are revealed in everything. The next time we hear the chuckle of a little baby, help us to remember that it's their mouth, but that's your voice. The next time we hear the wind rustling through the trees. You said in the New Testament, the wind blows where it listeth. And you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. Help us to remember that you send the wind. 
in the morning as we get up, many of us get up to go to work that may experience a sunrise. Help us to think not of a sunrise only, but of resurrection. That resurrection was not an event, but a person. And the sunrise speaks of your resurrection every single day. Help us to deal with our looking problem and help us to deal with our listening problem by looking and listening and expecting. Lord, I don't ever want to downplay things that people have gone through in the previous year. But God, even in that, I've seen your faithfulness. We've seen your faithfulness. We need more than just a word from you. We need to remember your faithfulness. I bless everyone on the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would leave this place and that they would be encouraged, that they would leave this place with a hopeful optimism about our future. The last book that our friend Kelly Varner wrote before he passed was, I'm not afraid of my future. And he said that you took him by the spirit into the future. And he saw that his new grandbabies at the time did not have to be afraid of the future. Lord, take away from each one of us the fear of our future. Help us to walk shoulders back, head up, with a smile on our face into our future, knowing that you have already been there. You're still there waiting for us. And we're going to walk into the fullness of all that you have for us. Because you're faithful. Even in the sound of crushing silence I love you Lord I just feel in my spirit just before we close this thing out I want to open up and they always stay open my dad would say altars were open at Calvary but I just want to open up the front space if you'd like to come and maybe kneel before the Lord and pray someone that maybe just wants a little extra outpouring so to speak of the, I still believe in that of pray, sometimes you just want to have someone else agree with you in prayer or something feel free to come to the front there's a reason that I feel that nudge and that pull uh, maybe it's for you yes you come home help us find hope and love is breaking through because our father's in the room anybody want to come for prayer